Okay, we're ready. Oh, oh, I heard a pop of a top. Yeah, <laughs> Brown Town, baby. Film Ooh. Photography Podcast. This is episode 133, October 15th, 2015. I'm here in our uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan satellite studio with Mr. Mark O'Brien. Hi there, folks. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, caffeinated. Leslie Lazenby. Drinking some sweet summer rain called Mr. Brown. Uh, Matt Mirage. Brown. So good. And uh, I'm Michael Rosso. For those joining us for the first time ever, this mm. is a podcast about film using <laughs> traditional film. And coffee drinks. And caffeinated <laughs> drinks. Uh, Mark O'Brien is drinking hot coffee. Yeah. And to top some caffeinated drinks, we have here. Oh. Yes. In celebration of Halloween. Coffin crisp. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And these are not in the U.S. These are only in uh, Canada and uh, certainly in the U.K. Uh, uh, This episode, we're going to be talking about our our FPP, uh, Ann Arbor photo walk. Mm -hmm. We're going to give you the whole background, what happened, who was there, who did we meet, what kind of cameras did we give away. Uh, But these Coffin Crisp, they were given to us by uh, Ariane Sampson and her husband, Kelvin Sampson. And she said, you know, we were at the Argus Museum. She's like, oh, I have some stuff for you. I had no idea that I was going to get some coffee crisps. And I had no idea that they branded them uh, for Halloween called Coffin Crisps. <laughs> wow. Oh, and they're individual size. Fun size, yeah. How many do you have to eat before you need a coffin? <laughs> <laughs> Who would like them? I'll try one. Oh, okay. well, I'm not. I'm up for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. although we'll have to see if it's a coffin or casket. Of course, I like the fact they're from Canada, eh? Because they have English and French yes. on them. Yes. Oh, right. yeah. Bilingual treats. So, for folks listening, uh, you know, if you visit our film photography uh, projects online store, we have all sorts of crazy stuff in there. Hand rolled films, uh, and for this month, October, the weather's cooler. Uh, don't be surprised if you find a treat. An American candy treat or a coffin crisp in your package. And those folks who have been using the online store already know they get stickers and all mm-hmm. sorts of free stuff, cool stuff. So what a treat that would be. I'm going to bite into mine now. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Kind of, but they're a little saltier. Maybe a little more adult Kit Kat. Yeah. yeah. Lion candy. Well, remember you get those, those uh, sandwich not sandwich creams, but those little sort of same kind of thing. We have little layers, mm-hmm. and and they're crunchy. Yeah, the wafer, but they're the wafer things. Yeah, yeah, but this is much better than that. <laughs> this this coffee coffee crisp, it tastes different than the UK coffee crisp. This mm-hmm. tastes more like a Kit Kat. Yeah, this has a lot sweeter kind of a taste to it. This is different. It's mm-hmm. a different coffee crisp. Mm-hmm. So. I know I know it's at least one person when I'm chewing coffee. <laughs> <laughs> makes him ill. <laughs> but this show... What show? We're going to be talking about um, our uh, our event that we had on October 3rd, 
we have an interview with Cheryl Scheidester. Did I pronounce that correctly? Scheidester. Uh, she is a curator of the Argus Museum here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, general chit-chat about the event. Uh, Mark is going to fill us in on what World Toy Camera Day is. And uh, I think of any show, we should give away some FPP debonair cameras. Yeah, That'd be great, right? Sweet. Wow. Yeah. And how do they get them, Mike? Oh, they would go to filmphotographyproject.com, mm-hmm. and you have to go to the drop-down says giveaways. Okay. So I also think you can go to filmphotographyproject.com forward slash giveaway. And if that URL doesn't work, try giveaway with an S, giveaways. It's one of those URLs. But it'll be in our show notes. Mm-hmm. They can just Google it. The Google. Oh, uh, Film Photography Project giveaways. Yep. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sure. Google never lets you down. Uh, Leslie's going to talk about, because we're you know in, in Ann Arbor, and we were at the Argus Museum. Mm-hmm. Leslie's going to talk about the Argus Autronics. Mm-hmm. Autronics. Like automobile. Autronics. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. No less. Uh, Matt's going to tell us to use cameras, what's hot, what's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just going to play along while getting caffeinated. <laughs> and we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's Michael Rosso. You know, this year, 2015, you are We're celebrating 50 years of Super 8 film. And I'm really stoked about it. And all year I've been shooting some short Super 8 films. And way back in 1989, I shot a horror anthology on Super 8 called The Basement. I've been on the road this year to promote the various screenings of The Basement, and we're going to do it one more time right near Halloween on Sunday, October 25th, 8 p.m. at the Midtown Cinema in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. That's right. If you're in the Harrisburg, PA vicinity, come on down on Sunday, October 25th, 8 p.m. Super 8 Horror Film the basement. I look forward to seeing you. And if you think you're going, send me an email, Michael at filmphotographyproject.com. I'll bring film for you. That's right. I'll bring you some hand rolled 35 millimeter film to give to you for coming down to see me at the basement. Let's make this a super eight filmtastic party Sunday, October 25th. The basement. Super eight. Breaking news. Mark O'Brien is going to give us uh, an update that everyone's been asking about. Film Ferrania, they launched a Kickstarter campaign. It's a, a reboot of a film manufacturing factory in Italy where they're remanufacturing film, starting with uh, a color slide film. It's been ongoing. And of course, with any Kickstarter, uh, nothing's a guarantee. Right. And we're all hoping very soon to be shooting film for Rania. What do you got, Mark? Yeah, a lot of people have been asking, what's going on with Ferrania? And, you know, I, I know that everyone likes to see progress. And as you say, there are, there are sometimes roadblocks into getting things accomplished, especially if you're trying to take an old factory that's been shuttered and get it running again. Yes. And so I can't even imagine the, the problems that they're facing. 
But one of the things that had to happen for them to they ran into some problems a while ago. They had with the I think with the insulation and all that kind of stuff. And the most recent, as of last week, that I could find was the big the chiller. Big chiller. <laughs> the big chill, not not the movie shot in Ann Arbor. Right. Um, it's is that true? Yeah. Yeah. The big chill was shot here. Yeah. Yeah. Back during the '80s incentive program. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Way back then. Oh, way back okay. in the '80s. Yeah. They had some photographs on their site, and it says the big chiller is the final piece of our very intricate puzzle. And as we mentioned in our last post, it was a huge roadblock in our plans. And they have photographs. It's pictured above are the prepared concrete bases and hookups that both chillers will utilize. Now, what people don't understand is that chillers are more than just an air conditioning unit. They actually take air in, they condition the air, they filter it, and all these things. And sometimes they're used to actually cool certain pieces of equipment and so forth. And it's a very complex thing. And I know because we have chillers in our workplace that are on the roof and they do all these different things. And when they go when they go wrong, we don't have things going right. <laughs> uh, and so we have, they say that we've oversimplified things a lot by naming this system chillers. You can think of the chillers like massive air conditioners, but that's only part of their functionality. They maintain specified atmospheric conditions within various rooms of the LRF. I guess that's the uh, large room uh, facility. And as outlined in the article several months ago, they also play a direct role in the coder, allow, cooling the emulsion to the precise density necessary to make film. And as we've also r- discussed on this show, coding film is a very complex and intricate process. Mm, it is. And, of course, once it's installed, they'll enter a phase of testing to receive official accreditation of the building's services overseen by the Italian government. Our founder, <laughs> Nikolai Baldini, puts this in perspective. The government bureaucracy surrounding the official testing and accreditation of all equipment is something totally out of our control, and unfortunately, other surprises can come. Wow, that says a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, basically, they don't really know how this is going to turn out, but hopefully it'll be positive. This fact alone makes it very difficult to announce a new timeline for delivery of Kickstarter rewards and the start of general production, but we want to ensure everyone that the government is aware of our obligation to backers and has every incentive to make this process go both quickly and smoothly. Once this phase is complete, we will be able to resume our coding and production tests that were originally scheduled for March and April and, of course, announce an updated schedule. With this said, we are thrilled to announce that the engine that we call Film Frenia has officially restarted. That's good. It is good. And, you know... I know that people are certainly anxious to get their roll of film, whatever they thought they were going to get for a, a prize. But face it, it's a very complex enterprise if you're making film. And if you're, can you imagine if, if um, someone said, well, we're going to go reopen the Kodak factory, and it's been laying dormant for 10, 15 years, right? And it, that's just, it's hard to even imagine. Hard to imagine. And, and as they mentioned there with the Italian government, right. things out of your hands, out of your control. Right. And, and there's only, so, you know, you, have, you can control the things if they tell you what you need to do, and then, but then something else comes up and they say, well, you need to do this now because we mm-hmm. passed a regulation saying this has to be done. Well, it's good. So, thank, thank you for the update. And I think we're all looking forward to mm-hmm. getting our hands on this uh, new generation of Ferrania film and you know everyone has on their lips you know oh is there going to be 126 format is it going to be 127 format and you know we all excited to you know see the ball starting to roll so mm-hmm. yeah and we wish them luck because we, as we know it's, it's not a guarantee that anything will even come of this but they're trying 
Exactly. And uh, so we just hope it moves forward. Correct. Thank you for the update, Mark. You're welcome. We'll be right back. This is Nicola, founder of Film Ferrania, and you are listening to the Film Photography Podcast. Retrochrome. This is the year at the FPP that we shoot color slide film. Color slide film is a color positive film traditionally used to make slides that you would put in a slide projector to have slide presentations for your friends and families. These days, you can still put together old-timey slide show presentations, but you could also scan your slide. So in many ways, it's even more fun than shooting color negative because you have the option of projecting your slide or, of course, scanning your slide. Film Farania in Italy, for folks who have been listening to the show, What's the show? know that a brand new color slide film is being introduced. So while we're waiting... Retrochrome. FPP has unearthed from a vault color slide film made by Kodak, Kodak Ektachrome, that we're calling FPP Retrochrome. FPP Retrochrome comes in 160 ISO and 320 ISO. The miles of film that we have acquired has been thoroughly tested. I encourage everyone to go to the FPP online store. To try. To try, because many of you out there have never shot color slide film. To try, to try. FPP Retrochrome. Retrochrome. Hey, we're back. Uh, I was very excited. Uh, this whole month is an exciting month. It started out uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where uh, we converged, myself, Matt, Leslie, and uh, Mark O'Brien lives here. Yes, sir, I do. We all converged in Ann Arbor, Michigan, to have a traditional, old-timey film photo walk, which we haven't done in a very long time. Uh, And it was a lot of fun, and it came together beautifully. And uh, I want to thank uh, all the participants up front. Uh, First and foremost, Mark, and I'll ask you in a second to explain your camera club. It's called the A3C3. A3C3 Camera Club. Ann Arbor Crappy Camera Club. Ann Arbor Area Crappy Camera Club. That's where you get the the extra A in there. Right. Uh, Mark is. Are you are you the president of it? You could call me that. I guess I, I'm the director. Right. So kitty cat. <laughs> and perfect timing. Yeah. So Mark is uh, uh, instrumental in you know organizing it here in Ann Arbor. And then, of course, the Camera Mall, which is a local camera store. They're Instru- wonderful. Instrumental, because that was our hub, our, our meet-up hub. Uh, and then, of course, the Argus Museum was our end-of-the-day hub to meet back and do our giveaway. Which uh, Ar- Argus Museum was our uh, end-of-day meet-up. And then, of course, all the folks who helped out behind the scenes, Leslie Lazenby, w- doing all the legwork of putting the... Uh, kits together and the um, the name tags, all the little special things. All those things that makes us so excited. And then folks associated with the FPP uh, that make it super special, we always do a giveaway bag. Yeah. Uh, a company called Ultra Fine Online, which I think uh, uh, is everyone here familiar with this company? Sure. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I yeah. feel from them all the you time. Do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I received an email from Jeff over there and uh, we're you know, FPP is super friendly with those folks. They're great. They've always been very communicative. We've purchased cameras from them and, and vice versa. And I received an email saying, Hey, you guys, see you guys are doing a walk in Ann Arbor. Uh, we'd like to give you some film. Like, great. Great. So in the goodie bag was some ultra fine 
film, which is uh, their sort of their own brand. Yeah, and it was the ultra fine 100 and 435 and in 120. So I'm looking forward to shooting the the four, roll of 400 120 that I got. And are they ultrafineonline.com? Yep. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Or it was just Google. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they have all sorts of cool stuff. And I noticed very, you know, very much like FPP, you can find a lot of odd stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They always they always have just small batch stuff that they they get in. Right. And it's either short date or it's at a great. You don't know. Just like FPP, where'd they get this? I don't know. Let's just buy some because it's at a good price. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Our good friends at thedarkroom.com. Everyone in their bag got a a, a card. Where mm-hmm. you could send a roll of film for free processing. Oh, that was great that was of them. Yeah. Awesome. So that's always fantastic. I, I kept six of those. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Our very own FPP uh, online store, and there was some hand-rolled film in the package. And I believe it was the FPP EDU 200, which is uh, a Foma pen. That's a great FPP discovery. If you folks can hear. I don't know if you, the kitty cat is... But if you hear a cat in the background, who would it? That would be one of our cats, Val. <laughs> so we have FPP EDU 200, which is a FOMA pen surveillance film, which a few people on the walk, Alex Lauk, said, Oh, I love this film. And uh, what else was in that bag, FPP handroll? Do we remember? Retrochrome. Yes, oh, Retrochrome 320, forget? man. Retrochrome 320, highly recommended. Uh, I love it. I, I, I have a different name for it, of What do you course. call it? I call it Rossochrome. Rossochrome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there was also another bonus roll, and it was a mm-hmm. mixed bag, like yeah. Polka mm-hmm. film. Ooh, all kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. And that was a, a collection of film that uh, listeners sent in. I packed it up, sent it to... Ann Arbor, and then Mark, you threw some stuff in there too. Yeah, we some stuff. We had a, a film giveaway at A three C three that Leslie was at it last month, and uh, it was like a big film vomit. Yeah, and uh, oh, I had never seen such sharks. <laughs> it was a feeding frenzy. And uh, so there's some leftovers from that in there, and who knows where else everything mm-hmm. else came from. But yeah, um, it was fun. A C three C, that's the name, right? A three C three, yeah. <laughs> A three C three, A three C three. Right, and yes. it, actually, if people want to go to our website, it's a squared crappy cameras dot org. How's that work? Like, how what do you type in? A two crappy c r a p p y right cameras dot org. Okay, how did this camera club come to like? How did this come to be? Here in Ann Arbor, there was a bunch of people. I mean, two thousand six. We got together and decided that we all had a mutual interest in shooting crappy cameras at that time, which would have been Holgas and Dianas and so forth. And uh, we early on, there were about a, a dozen of us. We met, and then the first thing we did was decide, hey, we're going to have a show. What show? What show, <laughs> yeah. And so we had one in 2007. Um, at the same time, I had a personal show going on with all stuff I also do with crappy cameras up at U of M. First started, we were really interested in using truly crappy cameras and over time it's now morphed into hell it shoots film you're in the a3c3 because it's the only game in town where people get together who want to shoot film everyone else is all the other clubs are digital and so we are a bunch of anachronistic uh film lovers but we we have a good time that's awesome and it's so started around 2007 yeah 
And still going strong. It's still going. We have a, a core group of about eight or nine people who are constantly coming to the meetings and it, other people go in and out as they have time and or there's an interest you know not everyone is committed to film they you know they'll try it for a while and they'll go off and do something else it was just something to try yeah but others those of us who you know that's what we use we enjoy using film thank goodness or something like the fpp to draw to tell people so i can say hey you want to get film and you don't know where to get it go to the fpp website they've right. got all kinds of stuff and I think following you online and meeting you uh, at previ- previous FPP events, and I think you, you got into the fold here, I think you, you said you wandered into Finlay? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. I wandered into Finlay. I got out of the car, and I saw this camera shop. It had these old cameras in the window. I was like, oh, what the heck is this? And right. Next thing I know, I was talking to Leslie, and it was all downhill from there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, it, was, the, it was weird because it was a Saturday, and I'm not always in on Saturdays. But I was there that day. That was the first time you met Mark? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he was already had been interviewed for FPP. He was already familiar with FPP and an FPP super pal at, be before me. But Okay. Yeah, and, of course, I, you know, I fought tooth and nail not to bother to listen to FPP or whatever <laughs> Matt was chatting about. Right, yeah. So I didn't know about him mm-hmm. at all. It was, it was kind of awesome. And we started our day Saturday, October 3rd at a place called the Camera Mall. And I was immediately impressed, and I think it's important for folks who are in the area, you know, I mean, even if you're, you know, outside of the state, but within an hour's drive, it's worth the drive. It's a nice little store. First of all, it's worth coming to Ann Arbor. Right. Because mm-hmm. you go to the camera mall, you could set up your own personal photo walk, right? Yes, you right. could. Right. You can awesome, come into town. Awesome city. Start, you could replicate what we did. You could start your day at the camera mall, camera shop, mm-hmm. load up on film, they also have a great selection of uh, uh, vintage lenses. Yes, they do. I mean, I was snooping around. There were EOS mm-hmm. lenses. There were Canon FD lenses. There were some Nikon lenses. Minolta. They have, yeah, Minolta. They have film. Uh, they're friendly. I'm not sure if they do the, the apples in, in... Not every day. Not no. every day. Maybe on a Saturday? We were special. Oh, okay. Ah. But that's a great place to start. And is that a, a, um, a new store? It is a new store. Originally, the owner, the company they worked for, are located in Muskegon, which is the west side of the state. And Muskegon is um, it's a small city, but it's not a rich city like Ann Arbor. And we had no camera store. The last camera store we had in town left, I think, about 2008. So we've been without a, a, a oh, camera wow. store in Ann Arbor for that long. There was another one that was outside the city. It closed down back in December, but it had been moribund for a number of years. So what better place to have a camera store than right in a town that's full of college students? And, of course, it's going to be focused a lot on modern gear, with, so it's going to be mostly digital. But they also understand, and when they first, before they even opened up, they, we heard about it, and they were excited to be here, and they said, well, what, what, what do you want us to carry? We said, film. And so they've been carrying film, and they've said they've sold a lot of film, right? And folks from your group visit them. We've been very, we've patronized them a lot, and I think the nice thing is for me, I can be at work, I can walk out my office door and be down there in ten minutes, and get a roll of film. That's like you know, that's a bad addiction if you, <laughs> for some people. And so, but for me, it's it's like wow, this is like how it used to be for a lot of people. You can yes. just walk somewhere and get a roll of film, and we can't do that almost anywhere these days. No, no, you cannot. 
And uh, do you think they attract uh, the college students from the University yeah. of Michigan? Yeah, they do. I've been down there, and uh, I mean, students have some disposable income, but uh, usually when I've been in there, it's been people who are my age or maybe younger than me oogling the, the expensive high-end digital cameras and stuff. So I know that they've got a good s- selective clientele. And But I see young people going in there and buying uh, the Instax film, things like that. Right, which is a big thing with with the young people. That's awesome. That's cool. And as you mentioned, not to be taken for granted. I mean, not all college campuses or even communities have uh, a beautiful camera store. It's true, and uh, they also have. You know, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of photographers in Ann Arbor. There's, there's tons of them. And when we were out on our photo walk yesterday, it was just uh, incredible because. We ran into another group that was doing a photo walk. They were all digital shooters. And, of course, we had joked about this earlier, um, about the sharks and the jets there scene. Yes. And uh, so that could have been interesting. But uh, And then even any given day, you might see something like that. But the other thing that I thought was amusing is that how many times we were standing, a bunch of us with cameras, and someone would go by and, and ask us, is there someone famous nearby? Oh, yeah. And we should have day. said, Michael Rasso, he's the most <laughs> famous man here. <laughs> you know, when we were walking around town, we did. We, literally, it would be like a, uh, a herd of herd. us, of, of film shooters, and then we'd be like, who's that? And it was like a herd of digital shooters. It really reminded me of the Midsummer Murders. Yes, yeah. yes. You know, so my question in my mind was like the Ann Arbor, you know, yearly exhibition of photos have digital photos been disqualified yeah right right you know <laughs> well it, actually in the a3c3 when because we are film oriented we made a policy early on that the originating machinery of the image had to be film now whether you have it scanned in and make a print or whatever doesn't matter but it had to be the originated had to be on, on silver halide of some sort okay and so that Probably disgruntled a few people who wanted to do their cell phone pictures and so forth, but that's not what we're about. We've right. got other outlets for that. Right, that's cool. What's this nonsense about digital photos not being eligible for the annual exhibition? It was a unanimous decision by the committee. The committee? You mean you and those old farts that hang around in your junk shop? You lot wouldn't know a good photo if it jumped up and bit you on the bum. <laughs> <laughs> Now this this digital group we're not going to dwell on this but like who were they? There's a bunch of different ones. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. And they have there's uh, this was the Scott Kelby walk. Yeah, I think a you hear worldwide about that. photo worldwide. walk. Yep. Yeah. Is that right? So the, basically they, there's just like a leader in every city that wants to volunteer and do it and they uh, they'll organize it and there's a certain set of guidelines and then they have like a hashtag for the photos for a contest and so it's a it's a big thing but uh, I think that was it used to be on Flickr, and then I don't know if there's. It's on 500px. It's, some of the social photography sites will host similar walks oh, like right. that, and oh. where you can pool, you know pool all the images together, and they, they'll do like a contest from it. You know, so. that's fascinating. The, the idea of film photography project World Photo Walk Day. Yeah. Ooh. All we have to do is appoint some leaders. Right. Right. Uh, and, La- and, Lance in Belgium. There we go. We got right. one. <laughs> that, that would be awesome. Lance in Tennessee. Yep, yeah. There we right. Go. Uh, we'd, we'd be able Alex to get it. in Toronto. We'd be yes. able to get Mark that together. In Ann Arbor. How yeah. many states could we get? I mean, that would be really. How cool. many countries can awesome. we get? Yeah, yeah. But we. Darren let's, Riley. Let's, Darren Wouldn't Riley. you love to go on his photo walk? Yes. What a hoot! 
He, but he wouldn't have a camera. He'd be drawing. Well, yeah, yeah but that's that's the new slow <laughs> photography. Right, right. It'd be an awful lot of work. Think of all the, the bags we'd be sending out. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. No, actually, you go silent. Think of all the film I have to roll. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we try to make our events special. And we always put together an FPP goodie bag, which I mentioned the, the companies involved with, you know, putting that free free stuff together. My impression was that everyone was really happy. To oh, be they there. had a ball. I mean, yeah. everyone was just. They just seem so happy to be there, and I know a photo walk is a social event as much as anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And uh, and my and my job as a leader of a walk is to take people around, and they can figure out what they want to photograph. I don't, but without knowing where something is, they will miss it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I thought they really enjoyed, even though the weather was less than optimal, they enjoyed being shown the campus and all the downtown. And the evening photo walk was a hoot, right? And uh, it was. Everyone was just very happy, yeah. right? And we had it, it's nice because everybody feels welcome. Yes, and I wish I could remember his name. I can't. He was the young guy. He had a Polaroid on the evening walk, and he oh, was, Adam, Adam, yes, okay, yes. Um, he was asking me questions on how to shoot the retro chrome and the whole bit. And he goes, "I have another question." I said, "It's absolutely okay." Yeah, and then, and then you've got. Matt and his eight by ten hauling on. It's just everybody feels welcome and everybody feels oh, comfortable, yeah. and it's just awesome when that happens. It doesn't matter so what you're shooting; you're shooting does film. Not matter. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, it really doesn't matter what you're shooting. And uh, in a few minutes, we really should just touch upon night shooting because we do it so infrequently, us as a group. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my favorite part of the day. Oh yeah, was it? yeah that's I, great. I really, really enjoyed. Uh, the night photography what was special. We had uh, precipitation. <laughs> I was going to say, we need the spin here, but it was good. But it wasn't pouring. It was no, a mist, it was just misty. Misty yeah. most yeah. of the day. So yeah. by the evening, the streets were wet. And that's the best. A little reflection. The mm-hmm. best uh, night photography, in my opinion, because you had all these great theaters, the State Theater. And the Michigan the Theater. Michigan. Michigan Theater. And all these neon and it's all reflecting on the wet concrete, mm-hmm. and it made for beautiful night shooting. And uh, Leslie and I were shooting the uh, Kodak Vision 3 500T. Mm-hmm. Great well, stuff. As was Matt. Yeah, I threw that in the XA. It was yeah. great. And his favorite 35-millimeter camera, the XA. I love that thing. And uh, I think people listening will say, well, how do you do it? How do you shoot at night? How, how, how? And I asked Leslie the same question. And so I'll well, just put it in program. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, uh, and especially with the 500T being a negative film, yes, quite a latitude. Yes. So it does. even if the meter, because of the light situations, can be a little odd, is off. It doesn't matter. And Mark, you were shooting uh, chrome film. I was Ooh. shooting the retro chrome, and then I switched to ectochrome 64T, the tungsten film, which oh. is really good for for night. That's brought, great. Yeah. You brought a tripod. I brought a Which tripod and a, and a try. You know, if you're doing, I like to get night shots where there's a scene and there's people moving and they become a blur. Oftentimes, yeah, or cars going by or blur. Sometimes it can be a little bit cliche. Depends on where you are and what you're looking at. But um, I think if you really want to have the full advantage of being out at night, you should use a tripod. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree with that. I personally, I I can't. Get into doesn't work for me personally. Monopod sometimes is a few a, folks had monopods. Yeah, yes, it's they a, did. Yeah, kind of a compromise. It's 
Or gorilla pods. One guy was wrapping it around yep. a, a lamp post. Yeah, yep. and had that. So that there, you or know, if lean, the mod lean tripod, yeah. Yeah. I used a pole a lot of times. Yeah, uh, and also I, I don't want to boast that I have some kind of amazing steady hand, but I had a 20, 24 millimeter lens. Yeah. That makes a big yeah. difference. The wider your lens, mm-hmm. the easier it is to handhold it. Yeah. To handhold it. Um, so that that take that into consideration as well as well as the fact that I had a high speed film yeah. that also that also yes. helps a lot too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're shooting something, I, I remember shooting um, Velvia at night, and of course that's ISO 50, and I was probably actually shooting at 40. Right. And a tripod is essential, but you know even something like Kodak Gold 200 for something with an XA even because mm-hmm. it's got that long exposure mode, yep. you can do wonderful stuff with it. Right. What what is the exposure mode that Mark's talking about on the XA? It just has like a longer. It goes up to like eight seconds or something. I think so. Like yeah, yeah. eight or fifteen. Yeah, and oh, then that's great. Yeah, but I just cranked the five hundred up to you know eight hundred is the highest you can set something. So I just set it at eight hundred, and I'm not worried. It's going to look right pretty good. If you go to our show notes, filmphotographyproject.com, look in our show notes, you'll see some images from our night photography. Uh, some of them, at least. I hope so. I don't know if yours yeah. will be back. I hope so. Okay. Where do you where are you sending your chromes out these days? Oh, we actually have a place in Michigan. It's, I think it's AGX, I think, um, in Sault Ste. Marie. So we actually have a, a state, a, a place in the state that does it. But also I sent it to the dark room or I sent it to Blue Moon. I've also sent stuff to Dwayne's. So it depends. You know, there's a there's at least three places online. They're easy, very accessible to people that want to send, it, send their film to them. And depending upon maybe what you want to have done, or if you, I like just getting my slides back mounted. I don't want them, you know, in sleeves. I just want to have them come back and, and as if I was going to project them, but I don't. Right. So Dwayne's does obviously does that as as do everyone else. And do you do your own scanning? I do my own scanning. Yeah, I have a Epson V seven hundred. Ah, it's one common thing here in the room. Very. We very all have much. a V seven hundred. Seven fifty. Okay. Rock the boat. <laughs> Betamax. Hey Mark, <laughs> is, is Titan still around? Titan. Yeah. Who is Titan? I don't know. It's a lab. Oh, okay. In Michigan. Oh, I thought it was a superhero. Yeah. Oh, I, I sent them some stuff a while back, but I couldn't remember. Yeah, I, I don't know. In some of these places, you know, I know there's actually a, a few more camera stores over toward Detroit which have same day processing for C41. But E6 has really mm-hmm. become a very, you know, why, of course, you've got the E6 kits from FPP. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And so, and me being lazy, I know I've, I've got an E6 kit. I haven't even opened it up yet. It's for me, I just pay the $10 and have it done elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Is it a matter of time with the E6 kit or any kit that you're going to... I mean, you're doing your own black and white all I do the time. my own black and white all the time. And for the other kits, it's just, it's, just, it's just maybe the fact that I'll get around to it when I feel like I want to devote some time and, and do it. But I know, right. it's, I know it's not a big deal. It's just that you, some people just have this mental block. Well, I'm really used to doing black and white. And... This other stuff is, looks like it's got too many steps or whatever, but it's really not. It's just right. like following a cookbook. You know, you mm-hmm. just do this and this and this, and then when you're done, you got something. Yeah. Were there any cameras, uh, uh, folks on this photo walk, that stood out or anything special you noticed, like people using kind of kooky cameras or. Leslie, you have a big well, smile on your face. Joseph Brenches was using a folder, mm-hmm. yeah. which was very nice. Yeah. Was that yeah. that yeah. The Razzle? The Razzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was the old five. Polaroid converted to 4x5. Yep. Yeah, that was cool. Yep. I you know I keep sending Matt emails. Hey, you see this? And it's always the same link. Is there a, a gent online who's doing this, converting those? Uh, there's a couple places that are doing conversions. Um, Not called a razzle. It's just called. No, they're uh, just converting like old land cameras, and they have like a list. Like, I see the guy on uh, Facebook all the time. Yeah. The one you're talking about, I, I 
can see the site in my head right now. Like they have a, a list of cameras. Like they'll mm-hmm. take anything, but they prefer if you send them these models, and they can do more with it. So it's usually the the nine hundred series Polaroids that convert really those well. Those big ones, or the ninety five. That, that yeah. those are the ones yeah. that that do really well. Yeah. And they put a four by five back on it. Yeah, they can fit a. They can smash a graph lock back to the back of it, and uh, they can retain the rangefinder and all that good stuff. For right. It, so prices were based upon it. They don't supply the lens. I don't think. No, but they they um, they give you what mount it can it right. can be, and yeah, what all. There's tons of different options. The sky's the limit. Just if you have a a camera that's in you know decent ish shape, right. they can modify it, or you can spring for the brand. The Chinese make one. Uh, Chamonix made uh, one called the Saber, right? Which is like right. a Primo four by five folder. So very cool. Yeah, and I heard the Wanderlust cameras are shipping. Yes, finally. Yeah, and what is that? That's the Ben Syverson and uh, his buddy. They had that Kickstarter for the um, the injection mold four by fives. So they had, you know, typical first time production. They had some some hiccups along the way, but they're finally they have the pro, they have the initial models out and they're gearing up for for shipping and fulfilling worldwide. So right, yeah, it's you know it's a Kickstarter thing, so you have to kind of keep uh, keep that in mind. But they are they are uh, fulfilling them. So right, folks who came to our photo walk uh, here in Ann Arbor on the third, did any folks travel? Speaking of travel wide, yeah, <laughs> we I believe we had ten that came from Canada, the Toronto area. Uh, Alex was big in um, herding them up and driving them down. Oh. That was quite a drive. Folks we knew like Alex Laux, sure. John and Meadows. John but Meadows. then in some yeah. new people too. Mm-hmm. I had never met Chrissy Wu before or uh, Kelvin Samson, Samson and his wife. Uh, they gave us the uh, coffin crisps. Exactly. <laughs> and then we had um, Michael Bartisek, who I did <laughs> not get to meet because I was not in San Clemente. Mm-hmm. He was there, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. And it's Where did he come wa- from? L.A. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. J.J. Fisher, we haven't seen in a while. It was yep. good to see J.J. Well. Yeah. <laughs> our, our, our youngest uh, attendee was... Tony Mahali. Tony Mahali. Yep. Who's probably, I believe, eight or eight and a half now. Oh, my gosh. Pretty darn sweet. He lives in the Columbus area. Mm-hmm. And I think this is really, really very cool. We had Shane and Bo House come. Okay. Brothers. One came from Vancouver, and one came from North Carolina. Family reunion. Family reunion. Wow. Which, you know, this we is... We bring this people awesome. together. We do. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Um, Lance, our, our good buddy Lance King came from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he had family up here. So, you know, drop the wife off. I'm free for the afternoon type of thing. <laughs> we had someone so, come from Minnesota. Yes, we did. Two from Minnesota. Uh, the, the North Carolina... Yeah. Was very well represented. Right. Joseph Runges, yes, yes, and I don't believe anybody knew anybody and shared the ride type of thing. So uh, I don't think anybody was from Pennsylvania, but um, it was it was a nice group, you know. Yes. And, and I think again, everyone felt comfortable. Mm. Folks who were there, I really want to thank you for coming to our event. I mean, it's uh, uh, I always think, oh my God, you're traveling so far, you know. But people enjoy themselves. Yeah, 
And, you know, we, we always feel we need to put on the best show possible, you know, offer, you know, the goodie bags and have fun stuff to do. And uh, I'm confident, based upon people's faces, that we did a decent job. And I think it, it, it's sort of a social event, obviously. And when you think about the sum total of people who are seriously interested in shooting a film, it's a small number compared to the rest of the population. Yes, it is. And so it's no wonder some people are really thinking, wow, I, I should go to this because I'm going to meet other people who like film as much as I do. And, of course, course fpp is just this glue that holds it all together in terms of maintaining interest with the podcast and people have a central focal point so i think that's that's you know you could call them groupies in some cases but it's more than that it's just people who just appreciate the fact that there's this community and we're all in it i think one of the uh, uh it was also very special uh the fact that the argus museum is here in ann arbor and what i didn't realize is that i i knew that Ar- Argus was in Ann Arbor, but that that museum isn't just like another location set up, like a tribute location. That is the actual... That's the actual building. That building is the actual factory now made into a museum. That's correct. I mean, other than like Eastman Kodak up in Rochester, New York, this is special, right? It is special. I mean, very few... I don't know of any other museum... Um, for cameras at least it's set up in the actual factory where they're produced and we can forget polaroid because that's all been gone right and uh sadly kodak i mean we have eastman house but the cameras weren't made there it was just mm-hmm. george eastman's mansion unfortunately we don't have the residents in chicago where all those crappy cameras came from um and there, so there's no other museum like it in night in the united states now i believe there's some places in europe voigtlander i think has a place um where they have a, a museum and and like a problem but those are like at least is an extant company they're still going they would mm-hmm. obviously have a museum there but i don't think it's in the factory yeah the old factory building it's it's uh being used for other lots of other things now too but the museum itself is on the second floor and it was all part of a, a facility where they made argus cameras and this museum is supported by a, a, a local historic society? Yes, the Washtenaw County Historical Society. They're part of that. Um, it's a relatively recent development, and uh, so now they are a non- part of a nonprofit. And I think that the, it's a wonderful resource for those who are interested in, in, in American manufacturing because they have a lot of information there about that. I mean, and also they have a lot of for the Argus collector or anyone likes old cameras, they have a lot of interesting stuff on display as well as they have a lot of um, files there. If you were made an arrangement and you wanted to look something up, they, they would actually be able to help you out with that. And uh, does the Argus Museum, although they're part of another a part of a larger historic society, do they need to carry their own weight? Do they need to organize their own donations? Um, I think it's helpful for them if they can produce revenue like any other historical society. I mean, they're totally at the whim of proceeds and so forth and whatever monies that they raise. It's good for, for having things like what we had there with all the people coming in to show that, hey, this is a this is a cool place that we've got and that people are interested in it because all too often a lot of these small museums are relatively ignored in the general community because people just don't have an idea, A, that they're there or they said they think it's just too esoteric for them to, to, to think about. We were lucky enough to uh, interview Cheryl, Cheryl Scheidester. Uh, she was on hand. Yes, she was she lovely, was. so helpful. They, she had some volunteers helping right. her out, yeah. They set up tables and they had uh, donuts. I mean, this is the end of the day. It was great. They had coffee, donuts, apple cider, cider, yeah. apple cider, 
Of course, we supplemented our own Mr. Brown for mm-hmm. everyone who attended. Yes. But we have a, a short interview with Cheryl talking about the Argus Museum. Why don't we go to that now? Cheryl, I've known you for a long time, and you've been a staunch supporter of the Argus Collector community. When did they first start this museum in, in terms of, of its structure that you have now? Well, in the early 1980s, they purchased, O'Neill and Bill Martin purchased one of the collections. And then from there on, we have donations. It's been, we have practically no budget, but collectors, former Argus employees and the families have donated items, our archives, to towards the museum. And last year, Harry Gambino donated over 3,000 items. The, the author of Argomania donated over 3,000 items to the museum. Our collections doubled at that point. Yeah, that's amazing. And, of course, what people may not realize that isn't this the only camera museum in the place where they were built? Yes. It was also interesting, not only the cameras are exhibited in the, in the building they were built, we have photo exhibitions, and a lot of the photographs are taken with those Saxon cameras you can see in the display cases. So it's kind of a full circle. Yeah, and it's, a, it's always been a really neat resource for me when I was really geeked into doing Argus stuff, you know, because they have everything here. And one of the things that I, I think it really blows people's mind that when they come up here, you've got just about one of everything Argus ever made, right? We do. We have the prototypes, too, yeah, you know, that, that were never manufactured, and very rare items. We have at least one of most everything. How many items do you have in your collection now, do you think? Between five or 6,000 items, not including the paper um, in our archives. Do you get researchers coming here to use the paper archives at all? Yes, we do, actually. We Because people write articles about, you know, different Argus products, um, do research here, and also people who want to research their family history. Because one of our... I think our main assets for archives is, is called the Argus Eyes, was a company newsletter. But besides talking about products and developments, it also talked about the people that worked here. Just your whole family history related to Argus can be found you know, with the people that worked here. One of the things that also I like about this museum is that, one, it's compact, obviously. And as you go through it, you can see sort of the, a concentrated look at the American camera industry from pre-war to post-war and obviously we know Argus like most American manufacturers went under but they still survived for quite a while. Actually the post-war war too was, was their golden years because they had a lot of innovations they, they developed and created during the war years and they were ready to put those in, innovations in, into, into consumer products. So in the 1950s and even early in the 60s it was their golden years. They were, they were on top of the world then really. And for not just still cameras but also movie cameras right? And, pro- and projectors. There's a bunch of projector companies that were a camera company. And they're quite innovative in the, in, in the projector designs also. Um, Argus holds, oh, I, you know, I think it's like 100 patents in optic-related products. Oh, that, that's something I didn't realize. Well, it's it's a really great that you're hosting us here. And I think, for one thing, as a someone who lives in Ann Arbor, it's a resource that I take for granted. But I think for other people, they've never been to a, a, a museum like this before. No, it's, it's a small museum, but we have do have a diverse museum membership base. Not only photographers, historians, camera collectors, and people who like art because of our art exhibition. So we do have a really a surprisingly diversified museum membership base. It's nice. Great. Well, thanks. Tell folks listening at home, uh, how can they contribute to the Argus Museum? Well, we do have a Facebook page you can go to find out more information. And we are part of the Washington County Historical Society Museum System. So they have a page to dedicate to us, and there is a link for, for donations on that page. Put it in our show notes. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Hey, we're back. Uh, so it was awesome we could talk to Cheryl. Yeah, it give was. Us, give us some background on the Argus Museum. And for folks listening, you can donate. 
Yes, you can. And and I think if you find the Argus Museum online, uh, the Washtenaw Historical Society, um, Washtenaw County Historical Society, I believe there's links to the Argus Museum and you can go there and, and donate. They probably have as much Argus, as many Argus cameras as they can possibly hold. They probably don't really need any Argus cameras <laughs> because typically what they get are C3s or Argus A's or whatever, you know, and those, they give those things away to people when they have their Argus um, camera meeting every year. So it's, it's, but they certainly can appreciate monetary donations. Right. So, you know, folks listening, if you love your Argus and didn't know there was an Argus museum, that certainly is a, uh, reason to plan a trip to Ann Arbor. And I think that uh, Ann Arbor, if, if you're especially if you're a sports fan. Oh, gosh. If you're a sports fan. An art fan. Yeah. Uh, some, mm-hmm. You could spend your weekend here and get it all. You can get the camera store, <laughs> Argus Museum, uh, a Wolverines game, if you, <laughs> if you plan the right weekend. Well, you know, uh, as someone who lives here all the time, it was great to have something going on a Saturday where there's no football game. Right, and yes. at least they were. There was we a football game. Yes, we did. Yeah. If we otherwise, we'd never gotten. You guys wouldn't have gotten a room anywhere. But we have University of Michigan Museum of Art. It's got excellent exhibits there, and there's the Ann Arbor Art Center, and there's other things in town. So yeah, there's lots of things to do for people if they come in. And I think those who are staying over Saturday night, and I, they have things that they can do on a Sunday if if there's things going on. So it's. Good place. Thanks, everybody, for uh, coming out and keep an eye on the FPP, this this podcast, every two weeks, and our website for any future events for 2016. So, I mean, it was really, really fun. This was a, this event went so well. It was so much fun. Smooth. Smooth. Mm-hmm. And weather didn't, ma- didn't matter. I was saying to Mark, it was pouring. People still be like, man, I had a great time. I know it. Yeah, Absolutely. they would have. <laughs> you know, so we're going to be talking about more stuff uh, Leslie's going to review an Argus camera. Um, uh, Mark's to talk about World Toy Camera Day, but we're going to switch gears really quick. And Matt is going to hey. update us. You know, we haven't talked about Project Fifty Five. Oh, New Fifty Five, yeah, in a while. And Matt's going to give us an update. What's going on with that? First of all, what is it, and what oh, is the update? Sure. So the New Fifty Five project for uh, guys that have never heard of it before. So there was this awesome Polaroid single sheet style film called Type 55. Sheets. It was amazing because yes. it produced a great positive, but even better, it produced a very, very distinct negative that you can always tell when something shot on Type 55. It's got that little marking at the top where the little clip came in. Some great photographers have used it in the past. We uh, use tons of it. Yeah. Uh, Dave Burnett is really mm-hmm. no, well known for his uh, his work with that. Polly Chandler, down in uh, who's down in Tennessee now, had, uh, d- has done some great work with it. There's just a, a lot of folks I know that love that film and just swear by it. And when it was gone, that was a huge blow to a lot of people. Uh, Mr. Bob Crowley and a few other folks uh, took it upon themselves to do a lot of R&D, like just dove in the tank for a couple years. That's research, research and development. Yep. Uh, heavy, heavy research on how to basically remake this from scratch, the reagent, um, find a film stock that worked, and they have a really, really nice-looking film now, and they started Kickstarter for it. Wildly successful on Kickstarter. They're just going through the process and fulfilling it. And right uh, at the time of recording, I think we're about at 40% fulfillment of uh, the people that had kicked in for it so and just so you know folks there's a a huge misconception with kickstarter there's actually there's no uh, while there have been some court cases about it there is no it's no contractual obligation when you kickstart you aren't actually pre-ordering a product you are there have been court cases yeah 
There, um, the state of, I think, Washington, maybe California, they're actually outlawing certain terms of Kickstarters because they see it as a, um, they see it as the product side of it where you're pre-ordering something. Uh, but Kickstarter is not. You're just funding it's seed money. You're 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 giving you're giving them a donation and they're offering you an an incentive. They're not obligated to, but some uh, some places are rubbed the wrong way by that. So um, you're not actually if the project isn't successful or if they're the they fund it and then they go belly up. That's just that's what happens. That's business that happens that's all the happens. time. The yeah. risk you take. Yeah. Don't yes. complain. No. You you know what you signed up for. Yeah, but a lot of people don't. They just exp- they think it's Amazon. They think right. it's a product. Good news is, of all the Kickstarters I have ever been a part of, and pu- you know, put you know, good money down toward it, Bob's has been easily the most transparent. He actually like shows you his numbers, like his numbers before doing the Kickstarter, what his costs are. How many employees? Payroll, like everything, just the the full sheets. Um, so he treats it like it's a public, like it's a publicly traded company, right? Pretty much, and he, um, yeah, posts the books. is very transparent about progress, and yeah, at the time recording, they're at forty percent. Uh, I, I kicked in pretty last minute, so I'm not anticipating mine for a while yet. I don't even have any four by five gear. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Tariq Terry, we're uh, we're going to be playing around with that when it comes out, do a couple model shoots or something. But uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited for it. The Initial results people are posting are great. Uh, the response to it is different from the, I would say, initial impossible response, which is very, very hopeful. We're, you know, working pros are, are liking it, which is, is good because that's kind of the that was the market for New Fifty or Type Fifty Five in the first place. Right. Bob's also got great resources. He's working with um, some of the folks from Twenty by Twenty Four Studios, uh, some old Polaroid guys. So he's he's really well connected with it, and uh, they're getting right the right eyes on on the product. So. And he'll post stuff to Facebook about tests. Like, here's what it looks like when we code our emulsion. Here's the kind of really pricey gear we're using to, to analyze this. So very, very cool. And you really get to see uh, from the ground up a product from you know start to finish. Right. And I guess uh, folks listening, if you want an update or look at the update, you could Google New 55. Yep, new55project.blogspot.com. Is right. there like full blog for everything? Right. Um, and they actually have a store too, because they ha- and they have yes. some they have some products yes. that you can purchase from them uh, right now that aren't the actual film stock, but are things that right. are are priced appropriately to support them in the in the process. Because yes. right now they're operating at a, a net negative. Right. So it's like you go to their store and it's like to yourself. I'm not paying thirty dollars for this T-shirt. Yeah. When in fact you're contributing to them, to yeah. them, to help to to yeah. keep this going. It, exactly. So do it. Do it. Yeah. Get a shirt. Uh, they have single sheet uh, film. They have this great developer. The monobath. The monobath. That the R three monobath. Same yeah. guys. And I really so. thought it was quite reasonable in price. Yeah. I mean, they're they're doing good stuff. So, so support them. Great. Well, thank you for the update, Matt. We're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Right, Kitty Cat. hey this is michael rosso host of the film photography podcast and a huge thank you to folks out there who have donated to the fpp over the last few months or year if you love the fpp and really dig the podcast and continued blogs, videos, then please consider donating to the Film Photography Project. And you could do so very easily by either finding a camera, a film camera that works, and consider donating it 
to the show. Do you have any excess film that you're not shooting? Or if you can make a contribution, you can easily do that on the FPP Film Photography Project site and click Donate. Everything that's received is used for the Film Photography Project and its podcast for our monthly giveaways and any monies that are made in the FPP store just fuel the podcast. Let's keep these shoes going. The Film Photography Podcast. It's here for you. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Hey, we're back. Oh, let's uh, let's do a quick letter. Yeah. Uh, this is from Amro Gabriel. He's he's written to us before. He says, "I enjoy the first October show." You're quite right about the. He sent us a postcard, a Polaroid postcard. Mm-hmm. You know, we slide the the mm-hmm. Polaroid in, but it, the postcard arrived with the Polaroid missing. Oh no! Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> so it said, "Indeed, it did contain a peel apart photo of my cat." <laughs> <laughs> I suspect it slipped out on the way over the Atlantic rather than by the postmaster. <laughs> we thought the postmaster took it. Uh-huh. Oh, he, he sent us the last uh, cavalcade of candy. Ooh. Glad you enjoyed the candy. I ve- vaguely remembered you like curly whirlies <laughs> and double deckers from listening to uh, an ancient episode of the podcast. I hope I was right. Yes, you were. And he also says, thanks to all for giving your time for free to the FPP. The FPP are an example of why America, some of this, and Americans are so great. Mm, wow. wow. This is only in America. Mm, wow. 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 This is only in America. So it says in quotes. This is from Amaral A. Cabril, PhD. And you could find him on Flickr mm-hmm. at Fitzrovia. It's F I. Is that who Fitzrovia yep. is? Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. cool. F I T Z R O V I A on Flickr. You could also go to about dot me forward slash I A M A M R O to see like you know about his stuff. Yeah, and he is. Uh, he's also on Tumblr and a bunch of other stuff. I've we we follow each other everywhere. So where is yeah. what country is he from? UK. Okay. Yeah. Send us some great candy. Uh, here's a letter uh, from Brian Reynolds. You remember Brian? Yeah. Right? New yeah. York Photo mm-hmm. Walk 2012. Yes. It's uh, been a few photo walks. Yeah. yeah. He, this is some Leonardo feedback. Oh. oh. Uh, it says here, it's good to hear about others shooting large format pinhole. The pinhole journal... Yes. from the folks at the Pinhole Resource mm-hmm. was well worth subscribing to. And Eric Renner's Pinhole Photography from Historic Technique to Digital Application is a must-have. I have yet to find a better book on Pinhole Photography. You're familiar with this? Uh, absolutely. Eric is the owner-founder of the Pinhole Resource. I never picked up a Leonardo when they were still being made, but I have had a lensless camera manufacturer company 4x5 wide angle, 75 millimeter focal length, camera for a long time. And this is like pinholecamera.com. He says here you can get it online at viewcamerastore.com. Oh, Fred Newman's store. Yeah. Yeah. Great store. Um, He says check out his YouTube channel for some good large format instructional videos. Yep. Mine is from before the current rotating shutter. I guess it was a different type. Mm Mm-hmm. 
After losing the wooden pl- plug, I now use a cork <laughs> from a wine bottle as a shutter. Nice. With these cameras, the film holder is held in place by a pair of wooden dowels mm-hmm. that you wedge into ramps cut into the back of the camera. Uh, mine are spinny, and you just yeah. wedge them in. At one time, there was a 4x5 stereo Leonardo pinhole camera. Yes. That's a bit small for stereo cards, he says. Mm-hmm. I have a long delayed project to build a 5x7 stereo pinhole camera. It's currently at the foam core prototype stage. <laughs> I also lust after the Ilford Harmon 8x10 pinhole camera. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Titan, yeah. If you want to use an exposure meter that doesn't have small apertures with pinhole photography, I have some paper calculators you can print and use, oh. and they're on my webpage, nice. which we'll put in our, our, our uh, show notes. And it's panix.com, P-A-N-I-X.com. Here it gets a little, a little complicated. Forward slash wiggly line. You know that wiggle thing? Mm-hmm. Tildy. Yes. Reynolds forward slash photography forward slash pinhole forward slash P-I-N-C-A-L-C dot H-T-M-L. Good I'm luck. thinking panics, pinhole, and Reynolds in Google will yes. get me there. The Google. Pinhole exposure ter- uh, determination. You can choose between a couple of disc-shaped calculators or one that's based on a slide rule. Okay. Dial in the meter reading and then take a look at the pinhole's aperture to find the exposure time. Don't forget to allow for rep- retroprocity, reciprocity, reciprocity yeah. failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks again for putting out a really great show. What show? Brian Reynolds. Sweet. Wow. Yeah, thanks, uh, mm-hmm. Brian. So I'm very happy. Julie. Now Kodak introduces a new pocket camera that lets you take your pictures two ways. What are you doing here? I want to take your picture. I can't come down. I'm studying. Well, that's okay. I can take it from here. The new Kodak wow. Tele-Instamatic camera has two lenses inside that let you switch from normal, flick of a finger, to telephoto. Julie, for goodness sake. Hold it, Mrs. Wilson. Kodak Tele-Instamatic Camera, less than $36 at your photo dealers. Coming up in a few days, uh, it's not too late. It's not too late, folks. Uh, World Toy Camera Day. And I say it's not too late because most likely you could raid your Aunt Linda's house (laughs) or your grandpappy's and get their 110 camera. I mean, these are plastic cameras. 110 camera, 126 camera. And a 126 camera, you can go Google how to load 35 millimeter in it. The Google. Mark O'Brien is going to tell us about World Toy Camera Day, what it is, how did it get started, and what's it, what is, what's it, what's it about? What's it about, Alfie? Um, <laughs> <laughs> World Toy Camera Day is the yearly event that honors the ridiculous photo-taking capacity of outdated toy cameras. Well, outdated maybe by some. For us, they're also current. The Diana, a Holga, any, a lot of the uh, Lomo cameras that are out there. A toy camera could be a 110 that you found. Yep. Um, and in some ways, some people would, would say some of the Polaroids are toy cameras. I consider my Tascam and my Barbie okay. Polaroids. Absolutely. You know, the toy camera. Yeah. yeah toy it, can be taken two ways. And they look toyish. Toy or a plastic camera. Pinhole cameras would fall into that category too, although... They require a little bit more 
adept uh, use of things than just a toy camera does. But, you know, anything at 126, if you've got them, a 620 camera, if you've got, want to re-spool some film or maybe shoot 35 sprockets through it. Yes. You know, you can do all kinds of things. So it's, and and the wonderful part of toy ca- World Toy Camera Day is that it's basically people going out and shooting that one day of the year. And maybe they don't use a toy camera all that often, but it gets, or maybe they use one all the time, but it gets people, people's attention is, oh, there's something special day going on. What's World Toy Camera Day? Well, you explain to them and what a toy camera is, and they say, oh, I've got one of those. Or maybe it's sitting in a sock drawer somewhere. <laughs> the point is that you can, you can take really good photographs with toy cameras. I've seen a lot lots of you know diana images or holga images that are, are just fine maybe you want to get one of the 35 millimeter holgas if you don't feel like doing large for, or larger formats and shoot with those or just those little one-time use cameras those qualify as toy cameras anything that doesn't have much in the way of controls other than maybe one or two exposure settings or maybe one or two speed settings but very little very limited control over the final out, output of the, of the image except what's in your brain been going on for a number of years now i think i've been aware of it for at least seven or eight years yeah i think also some of the people who were involved in world pinhole day had a lot to do with the establishment mm-hmm. of world toy camera day too who, like that's like always a question when i ever see the da 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 day yeah like who like is it is it industry based is industry driven is it lamography driven like no who comes up with it it feels I, like I, it's fan driven fan driven yeah, yeah. It's, and someone says well we're gonna start it's like world pinhole our world polaroid week hey, yeah Pol- the- polaroid week went from once a year to like i see it almost like three times a year yeah. now yeah and i think like some nice. of these things social media propagates <laughs> mm-hmm. and so which is a really good tool because how better to get these things out through facebook and whatnot they get far more attention i remember when the first world toy camera day I did was oh goodness probably like 2008 or something like that and i heard about it and uh i was up in the up of michigan and taking photographs with toy cameras that day it was perfect weather for it and everything and sometimes you just get days like world they had world uh pinhole day and then it was raining cats and dogs which is not a good day for pinholes outside so right. mm-hmm. but it's a good opportunity when these things come up to you know just be part of the be part of the group and go out and do your thing absolutely and you can find more about world toy camera day just go online you could type in world toy camera day and on, right. on your google and uh it will come up the Google. There's um, so this year it's October fifteenth. Next year it's October sixteenth. It's always on a on a Sunday. In uh, twenty fourteen, it was on the nineteenth of October. So it varies a little bit. Um, but it's October is also a good time if it's if we've got fall color to go out and take advantage of of those little blurriness of the Holga oh, yeah, yeah, lenses. Yeah, yeah. You know, and make it work. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, it's very inexpensive. Yeah. Very inexpensive. Uh, I noticed on the table here, these, uh, I've seen this book before, Lo-Fi Photo Fun, mm-hmm. and also is the book that, uh, with your A3C3 club, didn't you put out a, a, a book that's cons- pretty much yeah, toy cameras? it was. What was that called? It was called Monochrome in My Pocket. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was what we did, um, we had a little AC3. A3C3 uh, project. We went out actually from Ultrafine okay. and bought a bunch of uh, one-time use black and white cameras, C41, and everyone got one. C41. They went out and took photographs with it, and we had a, a time a time constraint, and so then we got together and everyone had their images 
either scanned or whatever on, on CDs. And we got together in my living room. We, we had them showing up on the big screen TV, and we went through them, and we started, did a group edit, which right. ones we liked. And uh, then we put it together. Everyone got, I think, two or three images in a book, in the book. We put it out. People wrote up a little blurb about what they were doing and what the images meant to them or the project meant to them. And so it's it's still available online uh, up on lulu.com. And it's just called Monochrome in My Pocket. And it's a fun little book. Any, any group could get together and do something like that and uh, and have fun with it. And it's just basically a one month with a disposable camera by the Ann Arbor Area Crappy Camera Club. And in the back, it says, basically, it's not the camera, it's the photographer. Lulu.com actually has an ID for it. It's 969-5225. And this is Lulu, like L-U-L-U? L-U-L-U.com. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you for the report, Mark. You're welcome. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, well, when we take a quick break, we're going to talk about something very appropriate, uh, one of our pre-recorded spots, the FPP Debonair. Which I saw one at our photo walk. There was more mm-hmm. than one. Oh, really? Yes. Mm-hmm. This is a plastic camera that uh, we all love. Yes. And puts out a great picture. It's a picture. It's not a Holga. It's not a Diana. It's kind of its own thing. Mm-hmm. The image uh, size is, do you remember? 645. 645. 645. You get 16 shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you have a, a debonair? Yeah, I've got one. I was one of your early adopters okay. from a debonair. Actually, I think I found them online before you were selling them. Well, and they I, exist. They preexisted, yeah. Yeah, and I bought a bunch. And then you guys came up and go, I had to get one from you. Right. <laughs> it's the same type of thing. We don't find, FPP doesn't find one. We find like, you know. <laughs> A million, <laughs> like with the retrochrome film. I found someone who had uh, them stored at a warehouse in Rochester, New York, and they had thousands. Wow. And they were selling them on eBay, you know, individually. And I just sent a note. It's like, oh, you know, how many do you have? Oh, I have 2,500. Oh, do you want to get rid of them all? Yes, I do. <laughs> Great. We'll take them. And, we, you know, FPB has a warehouse, and they're warehoused. And we've been selling them consistently since 2012, and everyone loves them. But folks have taken them apart and oh, made yes. pinholes out of them and done, done all sorts of things. Our friend Lance King, who was at our photo walk, loves the debonair. Oh, he I bu- sprocketed mine. Yeah, put 35 yep. millimeter yep. in it, sprocket shoot sprocket holes. holes, sprocket hole photography. Mm-hmm. And if they break, so what? They're <laughs> under 20 bucks, and right. you get a roll of film for free. You, you can't get a better bargain, in my mind, for... A toy camera. Yeah, I mean it's it's. I think it's better than the Holga. Yeah. It's, it's certainly more more reliable. I think. Right. I love the Holga. I love the Diana. My personal gripe is I think they're overpriced. Yeah. I mean yeah. these are cameras when these are cameras that were very inexpensive when they first came out. Oh yeah. Practically given away. And I know they have a cult and college students are buying them now. But you know fifty dollars is a lot for a plastic camera. And I'm not complaining. Because I own a Holga and I paid for it, <laughs> you know. And our friends at Freestyle stock Holgas, and I, I love the Holga. It's a square image, but I'm trying to, you know, have an alternative, a cheap one. That when yours breaks, you don't think twice about just buying another one. Mm-hmm. Right, and you could also make a mask for the back if you want a square image sure. in the debonair. No big oh. deal. Some black tape. You can yeah, just it mask it be, off. Yeah, almost super right. slide, 127 size. Yeah, yeah. 127. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. it's not a big deal. And if, So if you want to shoot square, you could have square. Yep. You could always go crop in post-production as well. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, great. I'm all for having fun, and I love plastic cameras myself. And uh, thanks for the report on the World Camera Day and... When we come back, we're going to be talking about, huh, how about an Argus camera?
an artist. Perfect, right? Perfect. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Michael Rosso. You know, this year, 2015, you... I... We're celebrating... 50 years of Super 8 film. And I'm really stoked about it. And way back in 1989... I shot a horror anthology... On Super 8 called... The Basement. I've been on the road this year to promote the various screenings of The Basement, and we're going to do it one more time right near Halloween on Sunday, October 25th, 8 p.m. at the Midtown Cinema in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. If you're in the Harrisburg, PA vicinity, come on down on Sunday, October 25th, 8 p.m. Super 8 Horror Film The Basement. I look forward to seeing you, and if you think you're going... Send me an email, michael at filmphotographyproject.com. I'll bring film for you. That's right. I'll bring you some hand-rolled 35mm film to give to you for coming down to see me at the basement. Let's make this a Super 8 Filmtastic Party, Sunday, October 25th, The Basement. Super 8. Hey, we're back. We're back. Speaking of Argus, the Argus Museum, Argus cameras. Here's an Argus camera that uh, I've never heard of. It sounds something like out of an early 1960s uh, sci-fi movie. The Argus Autronic. Ooh. Well, this camera was a, a donation, as many of mine are. It came in my front door, a little orphan camera. Uh, looking for a place to finish its life out. Look at that. It was made by the famous camera manufacturer, Argus. So I thought, since we're here, we're going to talk about it. But at this time, Argus was owned by Sylvania by just about a year. The Autronic had four models. I have an Autronic 35, the C3, the 1, and the 2. And they were primarily same camera with some minor changes. This, I believe, was the first in the line, the Autronic 35. They say production was between 1960 and 62, but the Argus Collector Group, who I, in this case, would uh, have a tendency to agree with more, say this was only done during 1960. And it looks 1960 it certainly it is, does it is square it is boxy it is it is heavy it robust. is a very heavy now i'm not, I'm not gonna say robust um but it's a very heavy range finder cut yourself on it yeah you could <laughs> it's cutting edge technology it is uh you could almost uh, use that in that uh Memory card brick war. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Their manual says completely automatic. It's a completely automatic 35. And I found an ad on it, which was pretty awesome. It said, if you're used to exposure meters and juggling shutter speeds and f-stops, you'll probably think the new electronic i-automatics are nothing more than a compromise camera for amateurs. Then it goes on to talk about range, its rangefinder focusing, its full range of exposure combinations available. And it also states, while you were reading and setting dials on your full manual camera, you could have taken a picture with the Autronic. <laughs> it's like right. a team and a, you know, and there's that dad figure there with it. But, um, and that may have been the case back in the day when the Selenium meter worked. They don't anymore. Very rarely do they work. But that's okay with this camera because you can set it manually. So we can still use it. Oh. Oh, but oh. 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 And then, of course, that doesn't sound... Sunny 16 roll. We can set this thing. Yes, of course. Sweet. 
wait a minute, there's no F-16. Oh, why is that? You know, I don't know. But but what they've done, you know, before you could just put it in the A mode and use it. Now you have numbers like 3 or 3.5. I know that. 4, I know that. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Oh, I don't know that. I don't know that. What is that? Uh, what is, those are your F-stops. That's they, very strange. That is very strange. So I in the instruction manual, they do tell you what each one of those numbers correspond to. So I made a little post-it note cheat sheet and stuck on the top oh. because the shutter speeds are just as tricky. They call oh. them by situation. That's not so uncommon not for a camera. But you have the flash, which is a 30th of a second. Then you have the uh, scene mode, which is 160. Then you've got two levels of action, mm-hmm. 125, Ooh. 250. But then when you get up to 500, they just spell it out, one five hundredth of a second. <laughs> Interesting. Way to go. The focusing is, is also different. It's this little... Oh, it is that um, dial. It is oh, a dial on the front. Okay. And, well, there's more like goofy numbers on there. No, wait, it's the same ones that are on the lens, and there's a reason for that later on. One of the few things I think is truly awesome about this, it was um, new enough that it had a thumb wind rather than just a wheel or a, 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 a wheel wind. The back is just as freaking weird as the front of the rest of it. It doesn't open side to side. It ooh, 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 drops down. It hinges and folds down towards you. So there's, and, and it's just very square and very sharp. Mm-hmm. I cut myself. Yeah, you did. <laughs> the It's a reverse counter. You're supposed to set it when you put film in. I never remember, but it's okay because I'll shoot till the film snugs up and I know I'm at the end. So not a big deal. Okay. It's got a butt flap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's got a butt flap. <laughs> oh, look at that solid. Just chunk of metal in the it's, back of this thing. Goodness. The uh, initial. Um, now this this came out after the like the C three right. Yeah, nineteen sixty. Ah. Mm-hmm. The rewind on the top. This almost fits into your what were they thinking category. This definitely kind Have of. Have you fits seen in this? Here. Is this oh, in the yeah. museum? Oh, I'm it, sure he's. It's, oh yes. I, and I've I've used them and you know, tried them out. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The rewind on the top is rather recessed. You push it down to spring it out and flip it out. On the bottom, when you have to push the rewind button, it isn't. Look at that. It is just a little lever that flips out from the side. Something to stab yourself but, with. Yeah. But when it's in, it keeps that squareness of the camera. Yeah. And they have this horrible box leather case that yes. goes around it. It looks like a camera. It does. Yeah. And the flash will fit through it. And I suppose oh. maybe this is for a roll of film. Yeah. yeah. A little loopy thing. Uh-huh. I like mm. to store my single uh, 25B flash in there. Oh, I thought you were going to say your first aid kit. My first aid <laughs> kit. I think... <laughs> It is, it's a lot to think about when you use, but there was one thing I think that was brilliant with this camera. Wow. Back in the day, you knew your guide numbers, you had to know your distance, you had to know which flash bulb you were using to set the exposure when you used the flash bulb, when you use flash. When you focus this camera, as I mentioned, on the focus knob, which surrounds the shutter button, you look at those numbers, you use a 25A, fly, or I'm sorry, 25B flash bulb in here, and you will set that number on the lens. If you if you focus and it says 6, you set it on 6. Ooh. It's Ready to up, go. It's set up properly, the f-stop for the distance for the flash. That was brilliant. 
today, it's really difficult to use this flash because it takes a 22 and a half volt battery <gasps> and and a capacitor. Oh, that but sounds monster. But the flash, the yeah, flash yeah. is just so um, transformer. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. What now? What type of battery is that? Twenty two. Twenty two and a half. Kind of looked like a squared double A. Is a little bit square, yeah. about that same size. Had smooth ends, not clip ends. Is it available today? Uh, you know, maybe I haven't. I All haven't right. looked for one in years. My biggest thing is I'm going to have to get a. I'd have to get a capacitor too, which looks a similar shape. They both have to be in here. The capacitor and the battery. It seems but, for something so easy, it seems like a real challenge. It is a yeah. challenge. No kidding. Yes. They, they took all um, the convenience factors and they just so made this monster. It, it's like nineteen sixties car nineteen sixty cars, right? Yeah. Yes. Big, lots of chrome, um, bulky, but not really sophisticated. No. I, I think what in, impressed me the most was the design. And that was not a positive impression. Impressed <laughs> goes two ways. And were there a series of years where Sylvania bought Argus? Oh, Sylvania? Sylvania years? I, I know it's, I believe, 58 or 59, yeah. maybe 59. I don't know how long they actually had it. Wasn't it then bought out by Casina? No, Mansfield, was, which was a sub a subcontractor to Argus at one time, I think oh, bought really? them then. And then then I forget where, where, where down the drain it went. Mm-hmm. You know, um, But they did, I mean, Argus back in the probably... In the mid '60s, started having cameras made. Well, once the Instamatics came out, they had ne- they were made by Balda, yeah, and some other companies in Europe. And then later on, when they did things like SLRs, they were made by Cosina and Mamiya and whatnot. I wonder what the last Argus camera was that came out of the factory. Do you know? Offhand? I'll bet you it was a C3 of some sort. Okay, but they had the C333. Yes, and. Um, Little mini Argus Museum right here. Uh, Mark just uh, <laughs> flipped open a magic panel in his wall. Oh, he just opened up two magic two panels, magic panels. in his wall. Three, which was even. Oh yeah, yeah. Let me. Oh yeah. And uh, in this magic wall, he has all these Arguses. When everyone's just walking away from the table and just like, jeez. <laughs> and so <laughs> here's a C three C thirty three. Hold that up. And you can see the construction it had. It, the same construction, but a little bit a little bit better. But the back felt folds down just Oh, also butt flap. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you would not want to use that poly pan film on this thing oh, with, no, those, with those nice silvery yeah. backs. And oh, no, but yeah. I have put um, uh, Shvima yeah. 200 in here. Very thin, I thought, you know. But uh, short rolls, yeah, just fine. And so this was but, a, more of a professional. Cause it had absolutely. Because I had a clip-on meter that went in here. Ooh. Yes. Which made it look like a, a turret, a, a various mm-hmm. thing. Yes, it did. So, oh, I so rarely, ugly. you know, call a camera ugly. I think they should all be loved. But I think, personally for me, it does belong in the top ten ugly cameras. Attaching the flash certainly doesn't add any beauty to it. Right. I was out shooting with it one day, and an admirer couldn't stop raving about this camera. She loved this camera. So I'm thinking maybe when I'm done testing and playing with it, I'll give it to her because you know okay. it's all about the love. And have you seen any images from this camera? I have. Um, I have some yet to process. Okay. My, personally, myself, I was thinking I'd finished them, but no, they're in a holding pattern. Okay. So 
latent at this at this point, but it, it is a little it's it's it slows you down. Yeah. Take some thought pattern to use. Not quite in, as embarrassing to shoot with as my Fred Flintstone camera. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, right. But still, there's you know, there's, at times there can be a lot of conversation. But in honor of Ann Arbor, Michigan, the Autronics came out. Wow. There we go. Well, thank you very much, Leslie. That was a labor of love for sure. Oh yeah. It's it's kind of funny how you can have a love hate relationship. Oh yeah, and the flash bulb. Now it was when you're talking about a, a brilliant camera design. I was waiting for the flash bulb to go off when you said brilliant, and then we would all oh. be blinded. Well, <laughs> you'll have to fake that later. <laughs> well, thanks for the uh, Argus report, Leslie. You got it. Uh, really quick, uh, here's a letter uh, from our uh, last show where we talked about 35 millimeter uh, magnetic stock. And this was a uh, 35-millimeter film that is just magnetic tape, basically. Oh, okay. That's so wide that folks in the 50s used it for recording mm-hmm. uh, music. Yes. Because the dynamic range, I guess, was amazing. And this is from Alan Cole. Alan says, hey, Mike and the gang, I hope this finds you properly caffeinated. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I just finished developing a roll of old, ultra-fine 400-plus. Yes, Expired 2010. <laughs> Ancient. Yeah. yeah. That's fresh. Shot at box speed and is dead on in HC110A that I used to test a Nikon F3HP I bought for a hunch, including an MD4 motor. That was I'm not familiar with that That camera. was a brilliant buy. Yeah. That was a very good buy. It's fantastically heavy with motor and big lens, works mm. well and is beaten up pretty well as a working Nikon should be. I sat down, picked up the phone, went to the bay. People oh. are going to bay on their phones these yeah, days. Right, right. I, yes. I uh, went to the bay to see if that if I had sold anything, and my wandering eyes glazed upon a big fat roll 35mm recording film. Film that I have never heard of until listening to this fresh episode number 132 on the way home today. To quote a line by Kyle, the UPS guy... From a play our daughter was in, Ellie Woods and Legally Blonde, the musical, that's pretty cool karma. You know, the whole fact of never heard of 35 millimeter magnetic stock. Mm -hmm. Then you go on the bay and see this big fat roll of 35 millimeter magnetic stock. Our ninth grade daughter is taking film photography at Blake High School in Silver Spring, Maryland. Go Blake. Does Blake High School need any cameras, Alan? Send me an email. Dad is elated that, one, it's even offered. Two, Mm. that we have a new film shooter in the family. Wait until I whip the debonair on her. (laughs) I bought from you just after your ocean container full of them cleared customs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks for the education to keep those shoes coming, Alan. And he included a little picture of the 35-millimeter mag stocks. Thumbnail. Let's see if the price is there. 60 bucks. If you have not uh, been on the Flickr in the last day or two, and you may not have, under the last show. Oh, like the, show, the thread. Uh, FPP 132. Uh, you're going to love it at the very end. A guy talks about running, I believe, 10 reels of that at a time and syncing them up. No kidding. It's And he's posted some pictures, so you'll enjoy that. It's yeah. the very end of that. Very fresh post, though. That's pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. Well, folks, we've run out of time for this show. I want to thank everyone for joining us. We'll be back in just a short two weeks. Uh, here's some cool music. If you want to know what it is, you can always uh, look at our show notes. 
filmphotographyproject.com and just click on podcast and you'll see them all listed and click on that and get show notes you could write to us podcast at filmphotographyproject.com love to hear from you you could send us a letter you could send us uh, pictures you could send us you know some info about what you've been up to you could also write to us P.O. Box 152 Butler, New Jersey 07405 and feel free to send gifts <laughs> and that's in the way of coffee uh, candy treats and stuff to keep, keep us caffeinated during these great shoes so we'll see you in two weeks great